Do I make you tell Dodagi? I'm a cute little doggy, as I Hello, listeners. Do you want to connect with all us geeks without it getting physical and awkward? Well, that's good because that's not a winning scenario for anyone. I'm here to help you do that because all us geeks would like to virtually connect with you too. First place you can do that, of course, is allusgeeks.com, which will have links to all of the things that I'm about to tell you about. It also has our latest posts, which will show you which podcasts are out, which videos that we've recently produced, and any written reviews that we've done. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash allusgeeks. Twitter, same thing, twitter.com slash allusgeeks. Skype. We're on Skype. We've tried to keep it simple. It's, you got it, All Us Geeks. You can leave us a voicemail there. And if you're just into that tactile feel of dialing numbers, how about punching the following random numbers into your phone? 1-952-236-GEEK. That's 1-952-236-4335. That will get you to our Skype voicemail as well. Know we're on Google Plus? You can go over there and search for all us geeks. We have a guild on Board Game Geek. So for the true geek of board games, you can find us. Our guild is 1274. Or, of course, search for all us geeks. We have a new YouTube channel that we've launched recently where we've looked at special events, game previews, and some miniature-related gaming. You can find that at youtube.com slash user slash, wait for it, allusgeeks. On the allusgeeks.com site, we also have a contact form that you can use to let us know what's on your mind. And you can always leave a comment on the individual posts for each podcast episode. And while we're on the subject of feedback, if you happen to listen to us through iTunes, we would appreciate it if you could go out there, give us a rating, and leave some feedback so other people can find us as well. Well, there you go. There's a ton of ways to get a hold of us without actually having to poke us with a stick. And we appreciate it. Welcome to episode 25 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. We are back again. This is going to be a good episode. This this one right here is going to be a good episode. And one of the reasons is... <sighs> don't don't give Shut your, it! Don't give them high shut expectations. Shut it! No, this is going to be awesome because there's a lot of people that aren't us going to be on this episode. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and one of them is here with us right now. Who do we got with us? Don Zipperman. Happy to be back. Woo! Don! Don's back with his anime segment. So we're going to get to get animicated. You know, at That's the right, end of every one of your podcasts, that, that little ditty you have on the end? Yeah. The last words of every one of your podcasts is bragging about the anime collection <laughs> it's about time you had an anime segment well there you go that's why that's why you're here that's... one a year yeah <laughs> if that <laughs> yeah you you got to break us in slow real slow did you, you you had to have noticed how much we had we how much we got out of high school of the dead so 
I, I couldn't believe how long that kept coming up. That was crazy. And it's back. And it's back. Way to go, Jeff. Let it let it stay dead. It was actually back last time, and I cut it. <laughs> last episode, I cut it just to keep it out, but not this time. I no. almost wore my high school to the T-shirt. Nice. Thought about it. Oh, nice. I gotta find one of those. <laughs> almost all of them are just the chicks. So most of them no are complaint. like don't want to wear out in public sort of thing. <laughs> oh, I'll rock yeah, those in yeah. public. Oh. I don't think that's an issue. <laughs> nice in this room. Uh, yeah, we got that. We got uh, Sarah and Megan are going to be on. Woo-hoo. And uh, Jeff Cornelius from Cosmic Wombat Games is going to be on. So we got we got a lot going on this episode. Getting a comfortable share, folks. You got three hours of listening goodness ahead of you. Uh, I promise we'll to only see. take two of them. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what I keep. <laughs> Let's talk you have about... to at least keep Megan and Sarah. <laughs> uh, we'll negotiate. All right, uh, contests. We have our contests going on. They are up and going. It is true. So, again, both will end July 14th at 11.59 Central Time. The Twitter-only one, getting a lot of great responses. Did you see I put the uh, sidebar on our actual website so you can participate? Mm -hmm. Especially since people are uh, listening to my request of the winner could possibly be the person that makes Jordan cry. I don't know. Since I'm the one that's got to read all of these... I figure, uh, why not have a little fun with it? <laughs> no tears yet. That's well. I did tell him you had a dark, dark soul. <laughs> it was going to be hard. Uh, so yeah, you, somebody somebody is challenging us on whether we really want multiple entries, and I said, go for it. One per day is fine. Shoot it out. So uh, this person, yeah, but Brian, you missed one. You know, you missed one. I disqualified him because he missed a day. Okay. Since he wanted to challenge me on. <laughs> But you can get back in. I, I do want to point out, I did tell Brian this on Twitter and anybody else that saw it, but we haven't actually said how we're going to pick the winner. So you can hit us up every day, but are we looking for, again, the person that can make Jordan cry, the most creative? Are you getting an entry every time you send us something? You just don't know. And we're going to keep that to ourselves. I thought you said Jordan had the dark soul. He does have the dark soul. Do you question that? <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking there's two in the room. Oh, well, that's true. Huh? Well, yeah. Dark, dark, we both er, work for dark IBM. Er, so. So. <laughs> uh, so again. Oh, $50,000. 25 each. Ah, there you go. Ah, that's, yeah, that's, that's an inside joke. All right. So again, for those uh, wanting to know about this contest, follow us on Twitter. And then send us a message. It's at all us geeks. And then you got 117 characters to do with whatever you want, which I'm seeing that's happening. And then finish it off with hashtag AUG. I listen. Now, last time when we uh, talked about this, I said I was going to throw out five games and you'll have your pick. I have chosen those games. So we're looking at Monolith, Shadow Days, For the Win. With the extra tile, so it actually goes, it's usually a two-player game, so it'll actually go two to four players now. Uh, Fleet and Glory to Rome. Those are your choices if you win. Have a season. And then our other contest is the (laughs) voicemail one for Cards Against Humanity and the three expansions. So you can either hit us up on our number, 1952-236-GEEK. It's 1952-236-4335. Or it's also connected to our Skype, which is All Us Geeks, one word. 
And what we want you to do is leave a voicemail, identify yourself in a way that we can get back to you. Again, I will cut that piece, but we may use the rest of it, which is you recording the following. Listening to All Us Geeks is like blank without the blank. Fill in the blanks if you want a chance to win that. And are the phone lines burning up as we speak? The phone lines are just tepid. (laughs) What is wrong with people? (laughs) It's a voicemail. I leave longer voicemail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's all right. Maybe everybody's already got all their cards against humanity. It's a popular game now. It is. That's true. But it's there for the taking. Or not, I guess. Yeah, or, 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 yeah, or we'll give it to orphan kids that walk by. <laughs> Here, take home cards against humanity. So, again, both of those are going till July 14th. Donate to the children's ward at the hospital. <laughs> take it to the Ronald McDonald house. <laughs> you don't need I, can, I can say that. I used to raise money for them. <laughs> So you ready to animicate us? <laughs> Going to educate us on anime? Yeah, that sounds good. Got, uh, I should have checked before we came in here because it is sitting out on the shelf. But uh, besides High School of the Dead. <laughs> uh, no, I will not. That is forever. It's forever branded on this show. Well, let, me, let me burn your brain a little bit. You haven't seen all of it yet either. Shut up. There's one extra episode that's <laughs> only online. Okay. Oh, really? Yep. Nice. Something uh, that was sandwiched in somewhere, or is it after I, everything? It was. I think it was just added for the DVDs in Japan or something like that. Yeah. Okay. But what I was going to say is there was something else that you gave us in recommendations on the horror series that I actually picked up, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I think I watched like the first episode, but I can't remember was what it it's called right now. Yes. 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 Watch Shiki. Unfortunately, when I usually try to watch it, it's like um, weekends, 3, 4 in the morning after I've been done editing or something like that. That'll mess with your head. So that's just it. It's like I'll watch it and I'm like, uh, I don't have the headspace for this right now. That shows so, all about uh, the atmosphere and the creepy. You're yeah, so it, it's sitting out on the shelf. At some point, I am going to sit down and watch it, and then I'll let you know what I think. I hope you like it. I liked it a lot. So what do you got for us? All right, anime segment. I already did most of the news. Don's anime segment. <laughs> Just that, for, that was awesome. We we told. I mean, it took us like a month, dude. We were like, we what, do we, what are we going to do? What do we, we got to write a really good intro for Don. And we're not very creative. Yeah, I was thinking you've got to <laughs> try a little harder on that. But okay. We are well into the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep, keep patting yourselves on the back over there. Nobody else does. <laughs> the only way we get accolades. Say something nice to me now. No. I'm not saying anything nice to either of you for quite some time. <laughs> 2013 spring anime season, getting close to the end of it, actually. There's a few shows that are getting a lot of acclaim. Flowers of Evil has been infamous for a couple different reasons. Number one being good. Number two being very strange and disturbing. Sweet. Uh, a certain scientific railgun S which is a sequel to a companion piece, is um, getting a lot of good reviews, and I'm really excited. I'm a fan of that particular universe franchise. Attack on Titan has been... People are going crazy about that one. 
It's going to be 25 episodes. I think they're eight episodes in. Dark, violent. I haven't seen it myself, yeah, but it I've is. heard really good things. Oh, you've seen some of that? It's on Crunchyroll. Yep. I watched the first step before my laptop spazzed out and I had to reboot. And uh, the, the one scene that sticks in my mind is the people who are the scouts that go out and, and try to take down the occasional giant. They come back and like they went out as 50 and they come back as like 15. And there's this woman crying looking for her son. And they just hand her an arm. Oh. <laughs> this is oh. all that we could find. <laughs> I've, I've heard lots of good things. That one's already been picked up for home video release in the U.S. So I'll be waiting for that to come out. Uh, the summer season is looking like it's going to have some few interesting things in it. Um, a new part of the Fate series, Fate Khalid, I think it's pronounced, is like an alternate universe romantic comedy version, oddly. Something like that. And uh, third season of The World God Only Knows. That could be very interesting. The first two seasons are rather enjoyable. For the anime segment, there's a couple things I would like to do with it. First of all, I'd like to do what I, I'd like to call a discussion topic, okay. though I assume I'm going to be most doing most of the talking, so it's really more of a lecture. But that doesn't sound so good, so I'll call it a discussion topic. Let me get my bingo yeah, card. We, uh, it's all right. We get lectured quite a bit. We're actually, we're actually used to it. It's, it's, it's all good. Oh, you guys are free to jump in, so it's not just me talking for the next 20 minutes or whatever it takes. I like apples. Uh, You're uh, still a dick. <laughs> I'm still not talking to you. <laughs> uh, then I would like to go into a in-depth review of one particular series. So before Sweet. I'm going to do a discussion topic. The one see, I picked. See that, Jordan? That's, that's planning. Write that down. We got a plan. I plan shit out every day. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you guys. <laughs> It's clearly, I've got my next. Would like, you? Would you? Would you like to take over programming for the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just let us know what we're supposed to talk about. With you guys, answers no. <laughs> Heck, I got my next three or four discussion topics planned out. But the first one I'd like to go in. I don't even have my clothes for tomorrow planned out yet. <laughs> I do. My first topic is going to be: Where can I find legal streaming anime online? And there's a, a number of different places, actually. Now, is there a certain keyword in there that you wanted to emphasize? Just, just streaming, right? Well, legal. Legal. Oh, okay. Legal. There, there you go. <laughs> there, there's a lot of places you can go online to get illegally put online stuff. There's still a lot of fan subs out there, which is fans record off of Japanese TV, subtitle it themselves, put on BitTorrent, and you can watch it, and the creators starve at home. And that's not really a joke either, because... There's not a lot of money in the anime industry, particularly for the artists. Mm -hmm. Artists do not make enough money in, in Japan to survive. They have to have a second job or live with their parents or something. So uh, it's good to do what you can to help them out, even if it's watching something on a legal site and watching a couple commercials with it. At least there's money going back to the right place. Or you can be like me and pay a little bit a, a month for some of the uh, subscriptions, same sort of thing. Either way, it's... I'm seriously debating... I'm going to wait for whichever next-gen console I get, but I'm seriously debating the Crunchyroll Premium for either the Xbox or the 360. Uh, or the PS3. I, it's a little bit down my list, but I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Cool. All right. First couple things I'd just like to note. YouTube, Hulu, Crackle. Netflix has streaming now, right, too? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. They all have stuff. They don't really do stuff of their own. Not so much. I think Hulu picked up a couple new series that other people don't have. Crackle picked up one. But for mostly, it's like YouTube's, there's a Funimation channel on YouTube. Hulu's tied in with Viz, some stuff like that. So they tie in with these other 
groups mostly, but they have a little bit of stuff. But that's the ones that most people know, Hulu and whatnot. So if you're on those, there's a lot of material on there already. We just recently redid our Netflix, their streaming account. And mm-hmm. I had never had a Netflix account. It was Megan's account, and she re- reactivated it, and we, we threw it on the Xbox. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, it was, it was a good stream of anime that I could kind of look through. So that's another one of those late at night things mm-hmm, like, all mm-hmm. right let's see what i what's what's going on here so there there's some decent stuff you make like that sound it. a lot naughtier than it really is <clears throat> that's what you think <laughs> netflix is a little bit dangerous in terms of all of these more than any other one for these other ones it's like shrapnel or what <laughs> well no uh like funimation.com for example will put up every episode of their show yeah for netflix they put up whatever they feel like putting on mm, and they true. don't necessarily yeah. care like We'll give you volumes one through three, but not four of the series. Right. You know, something like that. So, well, we kind of we ran into that, or you ran into that with like the in betweeners, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was just like, oh, here's the first two series. Eh, we, that's it. Never mind. <laughs> so he he had to borrow the third from me. Yeah, yep, that's, yep. that's not unique to their anime. That's yeah, just so, it, just in general, right? Their TV and shows. I, I've talked to people <laughs> at Funimation and stuff. They say that they have no control over that. That's entirely up to Netflix to decide what they're going to put on there, what they buy. That That's the danger of watching right. it there. Mm-hmm. Where other places are a lot more careful about making sure you're going to get everything. Right. Okay, so those are just the, the big names that just kind of have a little extra on their service. There's a bunch of them that specialize in anime or similar sort of um, geeky-ish things. Now, you mentioned Hulu. Is that based Hulu or just Hulu Plus? Let's see. I think I watched Monster on there, and I don't think that was Hulu. That was not Hulu Plus. Cool. Some yes is only Hulu Plus. Some I believe is not. Of course, if you're not Hulu Plus and you're watching commercials, but you know that's part of it. I don't mind that. One of the biggest and one of the very first to really push the whole streaming world is Crunchyroll.com, as was noted before. It's a little bit of a dark past to it, actually, which kind of turns a few people off. They originally started as a fan site. Napster. <laughs> Once they got a little capital going, then they started buying series, and then they really kind of built the streaming model for anime, which exists today. A few others were into it too, but they have really pushed that whole model, what, how it makes and how to get it to work. So they went from fan sub to legit, but still have that little some cloud pe- hanging over them? Some people uh, just kind of stumb their nose at the whole thing, okay. and I understand that. I'm kind of more of a forgive and forget. They're doing the right thing. I'm happy with them now. You know, that sort of... Well, let me ask you this, though. Back when they were the fan sub, I mean, was it back when it was hard? It was really hard to get any of the stuff in the States anyway? I mean, is that how they got their start? Or was it prevalent and they just were a fan sub site? Well, as I said, they kind of built the model. Mm -hmm. So there really wasn't any streaming at the time. Funimation was trying to get streaming. But talking to people on the inside, what was happening at the time? And they go to the Japanese companies and say, hey, we got this great idea. Let's put your stuff online. And that's exactly what's been killing the anime industry over there for years. Mm-hmm. The fan subs. And they're terrified. Like, yeah, right. You know? So it was a huge push against them to get licensed to be able to do this sort of stuff. So it was a big fight either way. And there wasn't a model. And of course, people are watching stuff for free, right? right, told, right. How do you compete with free? It was a struggle to figure out, to get the licenses, to figure out a model that works, et cetera, et cetera. So Crunchyroll was really one of the pioneers. And they did what they had to, I guess. Yeah. But they're good now. All their stuff on there is free. The simulcast, which is anything that's coming out in Japan right now, uh, appears within a day or a week on their site. If you don't have a subscription, you have to wait a week to watch it. If you do have a su- subscription, it's probably the next day you get to watch it. And that's kind of 
uh, normal for most streaming sites now. The uh, price is $7 a month. That's pretty easy for me to do. Yeah, it's not bad. Skip I mean, the commercials. Any streaming. Yeah, it's, Netflix is seven ninety nine for streaming. You know that kind yep. of. Yep. You, know, you know, I skip one meal a month. I'm good. You know, <laughs> you get not only commercial free, but you also get higher quality. You only get the standard definition if you watch without the premium membership, but you can get up to 1080p for some shows streaming for if you have the membership. Also, if you have a membership, you can use it on your Roku, uh, iPad, and now they have. Uh, uh, Xbox 360 and PS3, which I love it on my PS3. <laughs> they got most of the bugs worked out. It doesn't crash it system very often anymore. <laughs> Only once a night or so. It's great to sit down in my you know TV room, turn on the big TV, and just watch it on there. Unfortunately, they do not have any higher than standard definition for PS3 or 360. They say mm. they're working on that. They've been saying that for a while. hasn't happened, but I'm still okay with it. I'm still happy with what I got. And, of course, with Charter... It's a crapshoot whether or not 1080p will actually stream well. <laughs> so they have currently, I counted, 32 simulcasts, 32 series that are ongoing in Japan right now that they're putting on their site. It's a ton. And they have a lot of other stuff on their site, too, mostly J-dramas, uh, Japanese live-action dramas. Yes. And actually, I noticed that the, you have to pay separately if you want the J-drama side of it or the anime side, or uh, you can pay a... Larger price for combined and get them both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I have nothing against J-dramas, but it's just not my world. Yeah. Nora, yeah, same there. So Crunchyroll, big thumbs up for me. I spend most of my simulcast time watching off of them, partly because I have a subscription, but I, I like their player. It works well. Uh, another big one that was a real pioneer, uh, Funimation.com. Funimation is kind of the probably the biggest distributor of anime in the U.S., they survived the bubble burst a few years ago, and are still going strong. They stream most of their catalog, as well as some simulcasts that... There's a few shows they have on there that they never did put out a home video release for. Now, it's a totally separate licensing thing between the streaming video and the home video, so it kind of makes sense. But most of their back catalog is on there, plus a few new simulcasts. What's nice with their back catalog is that actually have the dub versions on there for those shows, which is kind of nice. Uh, that's $8 a month for their service. Most of it's free, but of course, you know, no commercials and whatnot. And do they have an app too, or is that just straight online? They do not. They have a Roku app. They do not have a PS3 one, and I have not heard any plans to do one, which is unfortunate. I used to have problems with their site being ridiculously slow. They seem to have gotten over that, at least for the most part, though their search engine is still super slow. And it took me a while to figure out how to navigate their site well. It seems the best way to navigate it is to use their enormous drop-down list with all of their series <laughs> to go to the one you want. At some point, you know, a few hundred in there, you don't want a drop-down list anymore. You want something <laughs> smarter than that. Uh, but it, it works fairly well. I had one big problem with it. A few months ago, I finally signed up and got myself a subscription. I was just A show had just come up on my queue that was Funimation only. I'm like, okay, I'll get a subscription now and just keep it. Pay my money, start up the uh, show, and commercials come up. Like what? Uh, maybe it's just a fluke or something. Maybe it's just at the start of every episode they have it anyway. Oh, no, commercial breaks through the show too. Okay, what the heck? And I start freaking out and I'll check. And am I signed in correctly? Did my payment go through? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Eventually, I figured out after I found some random forum post, some guy asking why One Piece didn't work on his Roku. Well, it turns out there's something weird with the the rights that they don't 
have the rights to some shows, but they stream them for other people or something. And in those cases, you don't get the uh, membership benefits for them. Hmm. So you have commercials. You have you can't watch it on Roku and stuff like that. Okay, I paid my money specifically so I wouldn't have to watch commercials while watching this show, and now I'm watching commercials. That pissed me <laughs> off. I'll say straight up. Understandable. Now, Sinful Gear is not, you know, like a high, everyone loves this sort of show. So maybe, you know, the occasional thing I can see. But this is One Piece, too. This is one of the biggest shows out there. And yeah. it's happening to that. I didn't even get a warning when I signed up or anything like that. And I had to find some random forum post to describe it for me. I, I'm not so happy about that fact. Well, that was probably on page 7022 of the EULA. You know, yeah, it no. was there. <laughs> it, it may have been on there somewhere. I don't know. But uh, that's not a good experience. Did you click accept? <laughs> I probably it. I probably clicked click little box somewhere. Did you actually read this? Sure. <laughs> so I've been paying my eight dollars a month for a little while without getting any benefits at all. That's a little bit annoying. But I have another series I'm about to start on there. We'll hopefully that one they actually have the rights to. Otherwise, Funimation.com a lot of stuff on there. Good stuff. VizAnime.com. Now Viz is another big distributor here in the U.S. They've done Bleach, Naruto. Lots of big names, stuff like that. Uh, they have a streaming site where they stream a lot of the shows that they've done before, as well as a handful of ones that you don't see otherwise. And I give them big props. Back when the bubble burst, they dropped a few series that they were releasing on DVD, Hikaru no Go, Full Moon, that they now got the streaming rights to and they put up on there, subtitled only, but I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. So I give them props for stuff like that. But lately, they haven't announced any new simulcasts, like the last couple quarters. And I believe it's because all their money is getting funneled into their Neon Alley initiative, which when I first heard about it, I was really excited. Their Neon Alley is a streaming service, I guess you call it. It's only on uh, Xbox and PlayStation. And the concept behind it is dubs only. They're dubbing all their simulcasts, or not simulcasts, series that they had online and stuff, mm -hmm. and putting them on Neon Alley, dubbed. But being a dub fan, I was really excited about that. And a uh, show came up on my queue. I'm like, all right, time to kick it off, <laughs> sign up for this. I look on their website, and then I learn the horrible truth. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's not a streaming service like you normally think of streaming, where you say, I want to watch this show now. It's a channel where they have a schedule, like a TV oh. channel. So if I want to watch... <laughs> Zetman, and, and it's only on 2 a.m. I better be up at 2 a.m. to watch it. Guess what? You can't DVR that stuff because it's only on the boxes. Right. It's not an actual channel. <laughs> I, That's a horrible idea. <laughs> it's like going back to the days before of VHS recorders, yeah. really. I mean, I, I'm stunned that they're trying this, and I can't believe it, it's going to work out. I cannot yeah, believe it at all. It's pay only, too. That's horrible, horrible. Like, let's just see how retro we can get. Hello, 1970. Yeah. By the way. Note for us, we need to come up with a jingle for Don's Horrible Truth. <laughs> I, would I think it. that needs to be an ongoing part of the segment as well. Da, da, da. <laughs> so if you want to pay $7 a month to just watch whatever happens beyond the channel at the time, go right ahead. In but, fact, when you edit this, you need to split this out. And anything that has bad news in it, or stuff that Don dislikes, move that to the end, and then have a horrible segment <laughs> intro. Horrible truth segment intro. I should intro. have thought of that. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that is that is just a 
stupid, stupid. It's so backwards from where how everything else in the world is going right now. And it's not like the model. It's not like we don't know what things work today, right? I mean, it's, yeah, we have streaming all over the place, and we know what models work. I, I'm just, I can't even believe what they're doing with it. And like I said, they seem to be funneling their money towards. They have been doing other stuff at the time. <laughs> My only hope is that anything that they're putting on there is now getting a home video release finally, hopefully. Moving on to less bad news, theanimenetwork.com. It's run by the group that does Sentai Filmworks and all that. Sentai Filmworks is the kind of spiritual successor sort of, of ADV Films, which was a big one back in the day. They had some financial troubles, broke up into a bunch of different companies. One of them runs the Anime Network, another one is Sentai Filmworks, etc. Well, Sentai Filmworks picks up a whole lot of uh, new series for uh, home video release and for streaming release, streaming on the Anime Network, and then home video release along with it. Which is why I don't get on their site much and watch stuff. If they announce for home video, I'm just going to buy it later and watch it then. I'm not yeah. going to zip to their site and go watch anything. Which, it's not how other ones do it. Like Funimation, will they get a series? They often look at the numbers for streaming to decide if they want to pick it up for home video release or not. Which is terrible for me because I don't watch it streaming unless I know for sure it's not coming to home video. So it's, mm. for me it's backwards, but in theory it works. So Sentai guys, they go right for, the, right for both licenses right off the bat. Mostly. Uh, there's been one show that they didn't have the, they had the home video rights, but lost them. I watched the first episode, enjoyed it, it was nice. Turned on the second episode, it said you gotta have a subscription to watch this one. Like, <laughs> ooh, guys, you got me there. Uh, I don't know how frequently they do that on their site, because I don't, I'm not on there much. It looks like a fair amount of stuff is free, and then there's a fair amount of stuff that you have to pay for. I looked it up, it was uh, $7 a month at the time, I'm like, sure, I'll pay 7 bucks to watch a show right now, I wanna see it. Otherwise, they have a lot of material from back in the ADV days and then that now into tons and tons of stuff that's coming out now. They're just cranking on. So lots of material, good stuff over there. Just picturing the anime pimp hand reaching out. Episode 2. <laughs> you got my money? <laughs> I felt it. I did. <laughs> like, I'm in now. I can't stop. It's only 11 more episodes. Uh, God, you guys got me. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple new players in the business. Starting in this quarter, it was AnimeSouls.com. Now, here's some bad news. This is one that, again, when I heard about, I was really excited. And now, it's time for Don's Horrible News. Oh, no. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I heard, okay, new streaming site coming up. I'm thinking, okay, how are you going to be different? Well, they're different in that they're picking up a lot of really old series back in, like, mm -hmm. 70s and 80s and stuff. Old classics <laughs> that they're putting on, and uh, they're kind of doing a Kickstarter thing with it as well, where you go on, you watch a show. If you like it, you pledge some mm -hmm. money, and hopefully it comes to a home video release at some point. I'm like, that's a really cool idea. I really like this. And they started up, and they did it wrong. <laughs> It's a Kickstarter site with a little streaming on top of it. Yeah. Mm. They'll put a series up and have the, okay, you have some three months or so to do it, but they don't tell you when the end date is either, which is a little <laughs> bit annoying. It's like a 63-episode show. They'll For the 13 weeks or whatever this is up, they'll put in one new episode a week. If it uh, passes, then they'll keep going, and you have to pledge for the next set. If it doesn't go, they'll just take everything down. <laughs> so for me, I'm like... I better wait till that last week, and if it's not going to fund, I better wa watch it real quick. That's right. And only the 13 episodes out of the 63, 
or you know maybe I'm halfway through the, the the whole series and then people don't fund it anymore and then I'm only watching half the sh- you know. I feel less baffled now about Cryptozoic and their <laughs> their MMO CCG. That's that's some crazy talk right I, there. I, I, yeah, I mean the obvious thing to do is you put the shows up, they get a fan base, and then you ask for money, try and get DVDs. Right, as I thought they were gonna do. It makes total sense, and they blew it. They're just doing it absolutely wrong. And I'm not too surprised to see that none of the series that they have up there, which is I think is a dozen, are look like they're gonna fund. They're all you know 25 percent or something. I wish they would tell me the actual end date, too. They say, it's going to end in about a month, everyone. <laughs> Great. So what day do I have to stop and watch your show? <sighs> that's unfortunate. Uh, another new one has come up. I don't really know all that much about yet because it's really new. Daisuke, Daisuke.net. It's run by the Japanese companies. They're tired of dealing with a metalman, apparently. Want to do it themselves. Which might work, but so far, every time I've seen Japanese com- companies try to do something in the U.S. market, They've just fallen all over the floor. There's been a number of examples of that, and I think Anaplex, with their latest Sword Art Online costing $113 for six episodes, is going to fail like that. (laughs) I'm not really sure what to think of them. They don't have much new stuff, but there's a little bit. For the moment, most of the stuff they have on there is free, but the way it's set up, there's going to be some shows that you just have to pay for to watch. None yet, but (laughs) okay, we'll we'll see what they go with this. It might be interesting. But they'll be even more insidious immediately till episode three. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah they, they might pull that i don't know yeah, my money and knowing how the japanese companies work they might pull something like that too but uh, okay we'll see where that goes and the one last one i want to talk about which i think is legal <laughs> i spent a while mm. trying to figure it out Don's criminal <laughs> suggestions <laughs> they're not really clear about it i look there's some re- interviews and stuff that everything about it suggests that it's actually on the up and up but the whole thing feels shady. <laughs> it's based out of Singapore. Well, strike one. No. Well, just doing things off seas is a little bit, you know, it raises a red flag at least, right? We're going to get shut down. <laughs> <laughs> DMZA notice. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't subtitle things themselves. It's essentially a fan subbing site, but I think a legal one. They get to license it for it for pretty much the whole world as much as they can get. And then uh, fans like me will go on there, translate the shows, and subtitle them. And they have a whole development environment built into the site of how to do this. And <laughs> like any language, I've seen some shows have like 20 different languages for them that's been translated into. You can't even see the art then at that point. <laughs> not all at once. Oh, not all at once. Okay. <laughs> you, you can pick your stream. <laughs> It's the classic idea that every anime fan thinks of, oh, why don't they just use fan subbers to do their work? Well, that's what they're trying to do with this one, apparently. They haven't got any big titles. It's a lot of older material and stuff, but it's got my interest. And they claim that they've been selling some of their completed subtitles because they own all the subtitles once they're done. They claim ownership of them. Uh, they claim that they've sold some to like Hulu and stuff, which a couple series appeared on Hulu that weren't on other sites. I looked and, oh, they're on Vicky. That's interesting. I wonder if, like, Don Dracula. So uh, maybe they're really doing that? I I guess. (laughs) So they've been around a couple years now, apparently, and probably legal. So (laughs) Don's questionable choices. (laughs) (laughs) Three days later, go see the doctor. Uh, that's, That's my list of ones at least I know about. I don't believe there are any more. 
at least specialized in the anime market. On to my next thing, reviewing a series. I like to pick one show, basically just give a recommendation for it, based on how I like it, actually. <laughs> I would like to do... Is some... this going to be a hate-free segment? Because we try to stay hate-free. So. I'll. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> you almost got through it. It would be dumb to do a recommendation of one show if I hate it. <laughs> well, it could have been the never, ever watch this. this. Ooh, I could do that. That sounds interesting. I, this is the show gonna... I'm recommending on All Us Geeks because I hate all of you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would get titled Dark Lord for doing that. I would like to do some older shows that you know, not many people have heard of that are really, really good. Something like um, Fighting Spirit or something. But then I thought, it's kind of just cruel to pick a show that I can talk up all day, but you'll never be able to find it anywhere. So it's <laughs> well, better. Man, there's nothing that. wrong with That's... that. I am. It's actually I'm all in the daunting. spirit of the show. <laughs> I suppose. I thought it'd be better to pick something that is easily accessible and, and still kind of the new hotness out there. So I like to talk about Stein's Gate, a show with strange punctuation. Stein's <laughs> semicolon gate. It's uh, part of a series of a sort, along with equally strangely punctuated shows, Chaos Head and Robotics Notes. But they're only really loosely connected. Isn't they're in the same universe and theory and it might be a name drop here or there but otherwise they're completely separate shows you don't need to watch one before the other or anything like that the entire series is actually based on a series of video games called visual novels which there's a lot of them in japan but they almost don't exist here in the u.s at all hmm. the concept behind the show is very interesting and is actually i've seen chaos head i've not seen a robotics note so i can't compare to that one but it shares a lot of similarities to how Chaos Head is. Chaos Head is a series about a young man, high school boy, who starts seeing things that other people can't see, like girls carrying around huge energy weapons, energy swords, <laughs> uh, which I've seen in a few different shows, that sort of concept. But this one takes it in a unique way in that this lead character is delusional. He actually sees real hallucinations, and he knows that. And the series is told from his perspective. So when we're seeing something, he's not sure he's seeing it, and neither are we as the viewers. Some things may be there, some things may not be, which I thought was really cool. And the first half of that show was really neat as they're playing with those concepts. The second half just got into the story of it, which is fine, but the first half of that was really cool. Stein's Gate takes a similar approach in that it's about a self-proclaimed mad scientist who's up in his little apartment doing bizarre experiments on secondhand things playing with fringe science and going on about conspiracy theories and <laughs> worldwide organizations, that sort of thing, who actually runs into some real fringe science and gets caught up in a global conspiracy. Those are the best. Now, if you're already wanting to watch that show, you may want to skip ahead a few minutes, <laughs> as I have to give away at least the first couple episodes if I'm going to talk about the show anymore. Great. I'll let you skip five. <laughs> now, okay, moving on. Uh, the lead character is a guy named Rintaro Okabe. He calls himself Hoin Kiyoma, probably because he's a loon. He, of course. <laughs> he's arrogant, crazy, rambles about things all the time. He does stuff like picks up his cell phone and starts talking to someone on the other end about the organization, how they're after him, even though his cell phone is off. But when you watch a show, you kind of get this feeling or you really understand that he's not as crazy as he acts. 
it's he's really putting on a show of a sort. He kind of buys into his own crazy, but on some level, you know, he doesn't. And I think it's because you can see his friends and how they interact with him and how they kind of know that about him. The friends that you meet at first in that also live in the little lab, so they call the lab, the cute Mayuri, who's a sweet young girl, who's also a bit of an airhead, and the portly Daru, the hacker, as they play around with some strange stuff. Oh, sure. The hacker's always a fat dude. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's also a total uh, otaku, anime otaku, which, if you're in Japan, that's definitely the uh, cliche. They kind of accidentally, when they're doing experiments on their secondhand microwave, it becomes a time machine. <laughs> Not a very useful one. All they can send back in time is text messages. Popcorn. <laughs> Actually, they sent a banana back, and that's okay. it's weird. <laughs> uh, all they can send back are small text messages, cell phone text messages, which the whole first half of the show is kind of classic Asimov, Heinlein, Bradbury sort of stuff when they're playing how much even short text messages can play around with the chime stream and change things, hmm. knowing things that you shouldn't know and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it's classic sci-fi is, is playing around with, with, with time and stuff. But what really makes the first half great is the lead character himself, who's such a funny loon and an arrogant jerk, <laughs> and how he interacts with other people. And in particular, uh, Makisi Kurosu, this real genius scientist who ends up getting mixed in the mess, and the two of them interacting and just getting on each other's case all the time. It's fantastically well-written, hilarious dialogue, just fun to watch these guys going and interacting. At the same time, you're getting this really cool sci-fi thing of changing with the timeline and mucking with stuff and what really happens when you do these things. But like I said, the second half is very different than the first half. And that's where the consequences of doing all this start to come into play in complicated and dark ways. And We're in. <laughs> as much as I love the first half, the second half is way better. Hmm. Incredible storytelling, fantastic storylines and characters and everything. As far as like a time travel series goes, I'd say it's probably the best time travel series I've watched of anything. Hmm. Now, they play a little bit loose with the science. <laughs> Have you guys heard of the name John Teeter? Does that name anything to you? It no. does to you, Jordan? Yeah. There's a guy from back in around 2000 or so that posts on some message boards under the name John Teeter claiming he was from the future, come to change the, the timeline so they didn't have the wars that were coming up. And he talked a little bit in his notes about how his time machine worked and like kind of vague details as well as why he needed an IBM 5100 to do his task. <laughs> well, Steinsgate actually takes that as its kind of base for what it's doing with and uses that kind of to build its science world. And John Teeter is actually kind of a side character in the show. Oh, cool. <laughs> so he kind of like, you know, Star Trek, like a deflector dish will do whatever you need to for that episode, right? So it's, kind, <laughs> it's kind of, you, you live with the science, right? But there's at least one point in the show where I'm like, yeah, no, that, that's not how data compression works. It just isn't. <laughs> but it's good for the plot, not the science. I'll just live with it. You know, Sus suspend disbelief. So it's got a little no. of that. <laughs> but other than that, I can only give this show my highest recommendation. Funimation did a fantastic dub with it. J. Michael Tatum as the lead character, probably the best I've ever heard of him, and that's saying a lot for me because I'm a big fan of his. Absolutely fantastic dub. Amazing show. It's, I think, 22 plus one episodes. You can f find it in a lot of different... <laughs> I, that confused you, didn't it? 
I believe they call that twenty three. <laughs> uh, you we we try not to do hard math here. On the show. I, I call it. We've 20- had problems with it in the past. <laughs> I Seven, call it twenty two plus one. They, they do this fairly uh, like High School of the Dead, for example. They'll do an episode later on. Like the TV series itself is, I think, twenty two episodes. But then later, I think for a DVD release or something, they made an extra episode. It's kind of an epilogue piece, mm-hmm. so it's not really part of the show. But it's a you know, so it's a twenty third episode, but it's not part of the initial story. Is uh, this available? Maybe you were going to answer this. I asked on the Funimation site to stream. Thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Uh, Funimation has Segway. it. Both their subtitled and dub versions on Funimation. Uh, you can also see it. I saw it on Hulu Plus, YouTube. Uh, I'm sure Netflix has it. Uh, it's out on DVD and Blu-ray. So it's it's available all sorts of places, including free online. It's easy to find. Steins Gate. Steins semicolon. Col- colon. Semicolon. Well, semicolon. Semicolon. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What? Funimation <laughs> also has Chaos Head and Robotics Notes on their site as well. I cool. Don't, Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll check it out. I'll if you like, you can get that from the library. If you like good sci-fi, that's I highly recommend it. And that's all for my anime segment. All right, everyone. Now we've got something else coming for you. This is an exciting, exciting episode. We've, we've got so much going on for you guys. It's crazy. We've got an interview here that we're going to do, and we are going to be talking to... Hi, I'm Jeff Cornelius, uh, one of the founders of Cosmic Wombat Games. And if that name sounds uh, familiar to uh, our uh, faithful, loyal listeners that follow us with everything we do... That's because we recently did a preview video on our new YouTube channel for Stones of Fate. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Jeff on, besides the obvious reason that I get to kind of act like I'm interviewing myself. So, Jeff, why are you so awesome? (laughs) Why am I so awesome? (laughs) Well, uh... I don't know if I'd call myself awesome, but... No, 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 go with it, go with it. This is is me and my future self. (laughs) This is uh, you and your yourself. All right. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? We do have a couple questions that we tend to ask almost everyone that comes on, at least when we remember. Okay. <laughs> and the first one would be in in a general sense. I mean, you don't have to go into specifics if you don't want to. But besides running Cosmic Wombat games, what do you do for a living, sir? I am an engineer. I was uh, active duty in the Air Force for eight years and got out of that and still doing uh, spacecraft engineering. Uh, actually worked still for the Air Force as a contractor, though. So, Very cool. To go with that, then, what makes you a geek, sir? I'd say I'm a geek because I've been into you know, sci-fi, fantasy type of stuff since I can remember you know, the first time I ever saw the episode of Star Trek. I was I was hooked. and so I started doing that, and, and then I uh, started playing board games with my dad when we were little kids. You know, I started with the classics like Monopoly and Life and things, and moved up into some of the more advanced things like Axis and Allies and some old Avalon Hill games, and just been having a great time doing it ever since. All right, so you mentioned Star Trek. What's, uh, what's your personal opinion on the new ones then? Love them, hate them? I've actually really liked the new Star Treks. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't follow the right script and doesn't follow the correct Star Trek universe. And 
I don't know. I think they're really entertaining. I, I like a lot of the things they reference from the old series, especially this new one, how it had so much stuff about like Star Trek two in it. That was really cool. All right. You pass. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to get to stones of fate because stones of fate is on Kickstarter right now. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Jeff. Let's uh, take a small step back here, Jeff. So Cosmic Wombat Games, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your uh, idea is there? So uh, my brother and I, my brother Nathan, decided to form our own game publishing company. And um, one of the reasons why we decided to do that was because we like, we've always liked games. We wanted to be in the business of games for a while. I actually started trying to design a few games and, and figure out I wasn't all that good at it. But I do like to do marketing and things like that. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm more suited to the publishing side of things. And so kind of our, our idea for Cosmic Wombat Games is to, to be a company that really interfaces with people a lot and is willing to look at new designers. Um, I know a lot of designers out there talking about how they, they send their games out and they don't get noticed and they have a really hard time breaking into the market. And we want to try as much as we can to make that a little bit easier for them. So we're looking at new designers, designers that have never been published before, trying to give them really good deals on their design contracts and, and using things like crowdfunding to, to help us be able to bring those designs out to the market. Excellent. Uh, actually, you kind of answered what my next question was kind of going to focus in on. It's, there's a lot of people out there that will use Kickstarter to try to get their game created on the final step but they tend to lean heavily on the designer side and don't quite understand what they're getting into on the publishing side. So um, I always find it interesting if I find somebody that's a designer and also wants to be a publisher, but you've kind of uh, stated that you're pretty firmly on the publishing side there. Yeah, I always find it interesting too because a lot of these people are they're designers and they don't really understand kind of the nuances of the publishing side and they try to do it. And I talk to people and they, they look at me like I'm crazy when I say, I just want to be a publisher. I'll take your design. You do all the work of design. I'll take it and, and make it make it happen, make it into reality. And so it's kind of a different focus on things. It is definitely looking at the coin from a different side, but uh, I enjoy it. And so I think there's there's a place for both. There's a place for designers. And there's a place for publishers. And, and there is actually a place for, for somebody that can do both. And there's a few out there that can do both of those things. So you've got Stones of Fate on Kickstarter right now. Is this your kickoff game here for Cosmic Wombat Games? Yes, this is our debut game. This is what we decided to go with first. So we decided, you know, let's let's launch it on Kickstarter. We decided on Stones of Fate because, one, it, it was a smaller project. It's only a 78-card deck, and so it's not that costly to produce. And, two, it's kind of a short, casual game that we thought would appeal to a large audience. And so our thoughts were, by putting out something like that, first then it would get us a bigger audience going forward and going forward we have probably some more you know the heavier strategy type of games that we want to produce but for now we're trying to appeal to a larger audience as we can so you're a, a fledgling company here trying to get your first game out the door what would be going on for cosmic wombat games right now if something like kickstarter or indiegogo wasn't in the current state of that happening where would you and your brother be sitting right now trying to say, let's say, still get Stones of Fate made? Yeah, if we didn't have the opportunity to go to Kickstarter and, and get the project out there in front of people, I think 
really we would have gone a more traditional route, you know, set up a business plan and, and present that to investors and try to um, get some capital or some bank loans and things like that in order to try to do a, a print run for the game. And then on top of all that, after you do all that, then you have to market the game to people as well. And I think one of the things that Kickstarter provides that I really like is that you can kind of do both those things together. You can fund the game and get money for the game to do the print run and do all the marketing at the same time because you're actually marketing the game to the people that are going to buy it eventually or tell their friends about the game and have them buy it. So it really saves a lot of time and effort on our part. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And I think we've touched on that with a few other people as well. But just the fact that if done right... Kickstarter is a little is is not only like you said a way for you to get money to fund the game but the additional benefit is I mean if if that's the route you're going anyway you're you're looking to get money to fund the game so the bonus on top of it is if used properly it is a you know quote unquote free marketing tool to get more eyes on your game yes absolutely Let's talk a little bit about Stones of Fate here then. Like I said before, it's on Kickstarter right now. We have 15 days left, so we're about halfway through right now. All right, so that takes us to June 23rd is your end? Yes, All right. that's correct. And you're looking to raise $19,000. Let's start there because we see a lot of card games on that are looking for $5,000 or $7,000. Why don't you share with our audience how you came up with the $19,000. So the $19,000 is based on a few different things. One, we, we sent out and requested a lot of quotes from a lot of different manufacturers. And so based on those quotes, we figured, you know, an average price of to produce a 2,000 copy print run would be this much money. You know, a lot of those manufacturers over in China, so we had to add in the freight to ship, us, ship it back from China to the U.S. The other thing that $19,000 is going to cover is the artwork for the game. The artwork, as as you've seen in the game, is beautiful, done by uh, Ciro Marchetti. But um, obviously, he doesn't want to do his work for free, and, and I can't blame him for that. And so we're going to definitely pay him for his work, as well as some of the higher-level rewards that we have that are coming from Ciro Marchetti. We have a nice, beautiful cloth play mat and some um, uh, wooden cherry boxes that, are, that the game will come in in deluxe fashion. And so some of those high-level rewards we obviously will have to pay for as well in order to, to give them to our backers. And so um, that's that's actually the reason for the 19000 I I do know it, it looks a little high when you look at just a standard card game, and it may be, but I think one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to really focus on the quality of the game up front. We had an option to use just cardboard tokens instead of the stones, and, and after talking to my brother and talking to the designer of the game, we all decided, you know, we really want to go with the quality. We want to go with the actual stones because that really gives a feel to the game we want to have. And so all those things put together equals the 19000 basically, is what we're looking at. And I think one thing a lot of people might gloss over, I guess, is a good way to, to put it, when they're looking at some of these, is that a lot of times what you see for the uh, max is really really not what it's going to take <laughs> to get a game created and made. A lot of people are hoping to go above and beyond, and if not, then they some of them scramble to try to fill in that gap, or some of them learn really late 
<laughs> that, that nope, no, I, there, there's at least five things that I didn't think of. Like you said, the 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 freight coming over to customs. I mean, just all those things that hit people later. I mean, I you constantly see updates from people saying, oh, I didn't realize that customs keeping this for two weeks was going to cost me another $10,000, you know, or 5000 or whatever. To me, it, it is probably a more realistic goal, but I know some people s might scoff at it just because they're so used to the underfunded successful. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and and actually, we really, really wanted to make it a realistic goal when we set it set out to do this. And I did tons of research and looked at all kinds of different Kickstarters. And, and I read all those updates you're talking about, like, oh, we didn't know this would cost this and this would cost this. And I said, oh, okay, mental note, I'm going to add that in. So I make sure that I account for that cost. And so all these costs that I've, I've really tried to account for almost everything and after doing lots of research on different Kickstarters. I want to touch back on what you talked about for the artwork. You are absolutely correct. Uh, you know, Jordan and I did the preview video and we got a chance to play the pre-published prototype, but it had mostly finalized artwork, if I remember right, correct? Yes. Yeah, and it yes. is just beautiful. It really is. I mean, it was one of the things that really stood out to us. This game was a lot of fun to play. We had a blast with it. If you haven't seen the preview video, you can go check that out and, and see our overall first impressions uh, since it was just a preview video. But it is definitely a beautiful game and uh, has a lot more to it than you think just looking at it at first. Uh, mm -hmm which I hope comes out and, and people can uh, catch because it's, uh, it's based around the tarot, um, the cards, but to people that may not care for the, the tarot theme, it's a beautiful game with just the artwork representing the tarot cards, but it's not strictly tarot, so mm -hmm. it shouldn't throw anybody off. It has layers to it. It yes, was just the interesting thing because I've seen people that have no clue what the tarot is about that really enjoy the game just for the strategy and the tactics in the game itself. And then I've had people like actually sit down at conventions and play the game and people that are very familiar with the tarot. I had one lady play it that was actually a tarot reader and she was just so fascinated by the game because she's like, the tarot theme really comes out in the game. And I'm like, wow, because other people don't say that at all. But <laughs> like, if you're familiar with the tarot theme, I think you will see a lot in there because Luke, when he designed the game, did a lot of research into the tarot and some of the abilities in the cards actually reflect what the tarot card itself means in a, in a tarot reading. I did not know that part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Luke's done a fabulous job with this game. I really hope it comes to market. And basically that's what we're here to talk about. So uh, let's see. You are currently at 37% funded. You've got a little over $7,000 again, trying to raise 19000 with 15 days to go, June 23rd. You know, we've talked generally around Stones of Fate, but uh, why don't you give us your high-level pitch for what Stones of Fate is? So Stones of Fate is uh, basically at its core, it's an area control game. So you'll have a spread of nine cards face down, and you control five stones, and you're going to put those stones next to the cards in order to try to win those cards. And the catch is that all the cards are face down, so you don't remember what they are. You try to remember what they are as well, you, as well as you can. And so you're placing stones out into face down cards, and at certain points in the game, you will flip cards over face up to score those cards based on where your stones are and where your opponent's stones are. There's lots of strategy involved in the game as far as where you place your stones, how you want to try to bluff your opponents into placing their stones. 
And it really has all these different layers as far as how the strategy develops and the tactics of the game itself. And then there's also these abilities on certain cars will activate when you flip them or when you're, they're one. And so we, we've had a lot of people just love the game when they played it at conventions. I know you guys liked it when you played it. And it's a really popular game, it seems, for a lot of different people. And so we've not had many people that have said, we've had a few, but not many that have said, you know, it's just not my type of game. But it is, it plays really quick. It's about 30 minutes. It doesn't take long to learn as far as the basics of how to play it. Um, I, I think that if, as you play it, you'll realize that it takes a while to learn how to really master the game and really develop all the strategies that will go into winning. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a a really fun, fast game, and like we said earlier, it's it's got kind of layers to it, and it'll it'll actually surprise you. You know, I I think we even said in the video that you you know it, when I first started explaining it to Jordan and the uh, tiebreaker condition, <laughs> he was just kind of uh, I don't know about this, Jeff. Um, but then we <laughs> sat down and and played it, and actually our very first game we did tie, and we did turn around and play another game right away to break the tie because it was just that quick. It was that fast and it was that fun. I mean, you, like you talked about, you, you've got a lot going on it, at first you look at it. It's like, Oh, pretty art. Got some glass beads. Okay. Uh, 30 minutes at top. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, this'll, this'll be interesting. Uh, but then you start playing it and you're right. It's just like, okay, now I got to remember what the card is and which way it'll flip. Because you got to remember where you know the symbols actually will be when you flip it over, and where do I need my, where do I need my stones? And then not only that, but you got to be like, okay, do I even want that special ability right now? <laughs> yes. Do I do I want this card flipped and have that go off? Do it because I I actually did that a couple times. I didn't fully read the card and screwed myself over. I <laughs> gave up three points. <laughs> and all kinds of little things is like, ah, oh, if I would have just paid more attention. So it is surprisingly, there. there's a, a nice layer of strategy on top of, of a very nice, light, fast game. And that really surprised us. And, and pleasantly, of course. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I do enjoy this game. I do think it's a great game to check out. We will have the Kickstarter link in the show notes, and I will link up our game preview video is also on the uh, Kickstarter, but I'll also uh, put that link in for anybody that wants to just go over to the YouTube video and, and check it out. Jordan and I go through, play a couple rounds, and give you our, our initial impressions, but uh, you just kind of heard what they were. <laughs> so anything else you want to uh, share with our audience, Jeff? Just want to let you know we actually just added one new pledge level just today. I just talked to the artist that does the artwork for the game, and he's willing to um, throw in a signed 8x10 print of your favorite card from the game. So you take whatever card you like, and uh, you, you can get an 8x10 print. That's the $50 pledge level. You get a signed copy of the game as well as an 8x10 print from the artist who did the game. So um, check it out, and uh, if you like the artwork in the game, uh, we're going to send out a print and play to all of our backers. So you'll be able to see every single card in the game. You'll be able to pick whatever your favorite is for that for that signed uh, 8x10 print. And again, just absolute beautiful artwork. I love it. And you know what? Actually, Jordan and I had a question. And and so let me, let me uh, ask you as a wrap up here, I guess. For the artwork, was it purposefully done that some of the internal artwork can potentially throw you off? For the memory aspect of the game, if you flip a card, you know how you've got like the green 
dots basically where you have to have you have to have that many stones in that position and some of the artwork has this nice like green circular stuff and little things like that we noticed as we were playing is like we were just wondering if that was on purpose actually no that was not that happened by accident because <laughs> we we thought it was kind of a cool little thing because it was like this could mess with your memory a little bit if you're like oh this is really nice art and you focus in it's like there's a you know there's some circular green yes. green jemmy kind of things in the pictures and then you're looking at the green dots so we thought that was kind of cool so it wasn't on purpose huh no it wasn't all right well from this point forward just claim it as it is <laughs> all right we'll do that and we'll we'll take like half a percent or something for kickback. All right. <laughs> Keep us quiet. <laughs> All right, Jeff, thanks a lot. All right, thank you. This has been a lot of fun and like I said, it's I really do enjoy the game and I hope uh, you guys find success with this first game coming out for again, Cosmic Wombat Games, Stones of Fate on Kickstarter right now. Thank you. <laughs> Game review. We're going to take a look at Escape, the Curse of the Temple. And we have a couple people with us that are going to help us review and talk about this game. Is one of them Don? No, one of them is not Don. Don mysteriously vanished in the middle of the podcast, but he'll be back later. (laughs) But in his place, we've got... Megan. And... Sarah. That's right. So... We're going to leave. No. <laughs> Actually, that's later. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about Escape Curse of the Temple. This is one that we've played quite a bit off and on. Uh, I've taken it to kind of the north and played it there with a new group. And Sarah and Megan have recently played it quite a bit with us as well. So we're going to get uh, the full spectrum here of everyone's opinion. So Escape, the Curse of the Temple. Uh, let's see, when we've played, we've played with most of the expansions including uh, the Illusions, which just recently came out, and that actually adds a sixth player. So it's usually a one-to-five player game. Uh, With the expansion, it can go up to six, and it has that wonderful purple token for Jordan. So now he can finally be purple. Purple good. (laughs) (laughs) It's from Queen Games. Takes about ten minutes to play. Takes longer to explain than to play, really. By the time you get done listening to this review, (laughs) you'll have played it five times. It's going to take us longer to uh, tell you about it. You've already, you've probably already reset the board now. <laughs> and escape, escape. Yeah, we'll we'll count down for you. We're we're going to make it, hey <laughs> a special all us geeks version of That's the right. countdown. That's oh, right. Lord. It's going to happen. It's going to happen now. I'm going to make that happen. Oh, you should escape now. <laughs> Why aren't you at the door? You guys suck. Do people understand what what Sarah and I have to deal with now (laughs) on a day-to-day basis? Your best. Losers whine about their best. Winners get out of the door. (laughs) (sighs) It's going to happen. How do we play Escape? Poorly. (laughs) Based on our our last evening. Jordan. A lot of dead adventurers. It's a fairly straightforward game. There is a stack of tiles. Each player gets five dice. There's a start tile. And as you roll your dice, you have to match dice to the icons that are on the tile. 
Uh, these icons allow you to explore a new room. For instance, uh, two green, I believe, is the standard rule to open a door uh, to to reveal the new room. Yep. And then there is also combination of dice. Could be a green dude and a red torch, whatever, to be able to actually enter the new room. So in each room are the icons that you need to roll to leave the room. And then there might be gems. Uh, icons to get into the room. Yes, into, out of, however you'd like to look <laughs> at it. Gems are the core of the game. The game starts with a variable number of gems based on the number of players, right? Yeah, it's a number of players, yeah. Yep. Uh, um, a certain, certain amount of side, uh, gems aside. And when you get to the exit, when, that's very hopeful. <laughs> if, if you get to the exit, you have to roll, each individual player has to roll on five dice, the number of gems plus two. Plus one. Plus one. So if you have far too many gems on the gem tile, it's impossible to get out. So randomly, tiles come up with gems uh, on them, and you have to meet their dice rolling requirements as well. And if you do, you get to take gems out of the off the uh, exit tile. Well, not the exit tile, but the exit condition mm -hmm. uh, to make it a little bit easier to get out. As we joked about, there's a very cool soundtrack for this game. And this is also determining the game length. The soundtrack is around 11 minutes. There is a go, and people start rolling their dice. As with every good D&D game, it's always good to not split the party. <laughs> At least, not too badly, anyway. You do have to explore. You do have to reveal tiles. you got to find that exit tile. And you're rolling your dice. You're moving along. Maybe you're taking gems off the uh, out of the stash. Maybe you're not having any success with that. And then at some point, I'm not quite sure how many minutes into it, there is the gong. And then you have to get back to the starting zone. If you do not get back to the starting zone, and it's all the same rules apply, you got to roll to get back, just mm -hmm. as you roll to get out, uh, you lose a die. There is a second gong, which then is go-go gadget gong, and now you're really trying to find the exit. No, second time you go back to the start again. You do that twice? Yep. There's there's three gongs. Oh, that's right. There's three gongs. Yep. So you got to get back to the exit again. Uh, entrance. Back yes, to the entrance. Tile. Yeah. <laughs> and then after the second gong, then it's go go find the exit. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing with the illusions expansion, any illusion cards that are out when the gongs go are removed, so paths can be broken. What was previously there will disappear, and you have to re-explore and uh, to join up. Yeah. And it's, it's worth pointing out, I mean, the gong goes off and that's your trigger to try to get back to the start tile or the exit, depending on which, which gong it is. But then you have a certain amount of time in between that as well. And the nice thing with the soundtrack is you, it starts to kind of get faster and it's, they start doing the heartbeat thing when it's getting closer. And then there's like a door slam sound. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in the start tile by the time that door slam goes, that's when you're going to lose your die. And so you can lose two dice. Yes. Uh, potentially, if you don't get back to the start, which you only start with five, and everything you do in the game is based on rolling those dice, so you don't want to lose them. The dice are, as Jeff said, the critical component. They have all the symbols on them that you need to uh, meet the gem challenges, to explore rooms, to move from room to room. There's torches, red and blue. There's your gold idol face, which... Uh, well, well, it's it's uh, torch is red, key is blue. Key is blue. Yes. Man is green. green. Dude is green. Yep. The black side locks your die. There's a black idol, uh, and it'll lock any die that that comes up with. You're not allowed to re-roll it. 
but then there's also the gold idol, which will allow you to unlock two dice, uh, mm -hmm. either your own or if you have a another player in the room with you, you can unlock up to two of theirs. Can't split them between people. Right. Whoever you unlock has to take yeah. both one, of them. One person per die. Yeah. The black dice, as I said, lock. You're not allowed to re-roll those, but you can re-roll any other dice that do not meet the requirements mm -hmm. of what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to get two green dudes so you can reveal another tile and you're only getting one, you can keep re-rolling all four of your other dice yep. until you get that second green dude. Yep. You can re-roll anything and store anything yep. except for the black die, the black idol. You have to keep that locked unless you unlock it with the gold idol. idol. Yep. Yep. And as just said, the soundtrack leads you through everything, and it does a really good job of, A, game control. There's a built-in end. You will win or lose when time runs out. It's very atmospheric, mm -hmm. even on very inexpensive speakers. It does its job well, and it, it it's it really does add to the drama. You you don't notice it once you're into the game, but then you know the drum heartbeat and the and the faster tempo and then the you know escape and the gong. It's it's, it's all very engrossing. If uh, everybody's working well and you find the exit, you get to the exit. Uh, and then, as I said, you have to roll. Hopefully, you still have all five dice. <laughs> and then you have to roll your five dice and get a number of successes based on the number of gems uh, plus one. So that's the motivation to uh, continue to explore. So you can find the not only the exit, but the, card, the tiles with the gem traps on them. Well, I don't know if they're really traps, but uh, the little side quests yeah, to, or to, yeah. to get some gems off that if you do your 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 pog goes off the table and uh you can give a die to another player mm -hmm. uh, that increases their odds of getting out or it replenishes them if in my case you failed to get back to the starting room <laughs> twice yeah and it, it's very possible and the, you know we, we usually try to use the buddy system when playing because it is very possible to lock all your dice and if all your dice are sitting on the black idol you do nothing until somebody comes along and gives you a yellow die to unlock two of them and and whatnot so we basically and part of what we what we just explained is also what they consider the basic way to play mm -hmm. Because there are other tiles that you can mix and match in. Um, you take a certain amount out to put them in. They're the ones with the curses and treasures. Uh, curses do variable things, and, and so do treasures. But, uh, so if you go into a room with the curse icon, you're supposed to take a treasure uh, counter and flip it over and see what it is. Uh, if you go into a room with a treasure on it, you roll whatever's on the treasure to open the treasure chest. And you get whatever is on there, and some of and th those vary too. Some of them are, uh, I think the majority of them are like, here's free symbols, here's a free yellow die. You know, if, if you just turn it in, that's your yellow die instead of rolling it, stuff like that. Well, we and when we get into mechanics and gameplay, I'll talk a little bit about why I personally don't care to play too much like that. Again, the game comes with the soundtrack, which is the preferred way to play, but it does come with a timer not worth using the timer in my opinion um it really needs the soundtrack all right let's go into the wonderful review parts here components what did you think of the components megan i, I think the components are, i mean it's a dice game the artwork's pretty decent i really like the soundtrack so i don't know if that's technically a component yeah it's part but of the game i know it stresses me out after the second gong to <laughs> realize how many gems are left to <laughs> unlock 
and usually we haven't found the exit yet so that's like when you start really rushing well that's a good point uh maybe we'll just because that in the rules but the exit is a variable tile you take that and you stick it in the bottom like 20 i think 10 and then shuffle it yeah. yeah so it's towards the very bottom could yeah. be the very last tile but it is yeah. somewhat random yeah i think the components are pretty decent in this i i mean the the dice they're they're custom dice uh, so you're not dealing with your normal one through six pips. So they're they're pretty decent and uh, good thick tiles for the the dun or the temple. I like the artwork on it. It has a very nice Indiana Jones ish type feel. Uh, you know you you're trying to escape the curse of the temple uh, again with the soundtrack behind it. Just uh, uh, very nicely done. I mean again uh, this is the type of game they could have just put out and said there's your sand timer and and flip it over three times or whatever, and uh, they didn't, though. They went that extra step. They put out the soundtrack. There's at least, I think, three different versions of the soundtrack that you can download as well, so if you want to change it up. And there's two tracks on the CD. Oh, we should also point out, they also include instructions on the CD. So if you don't want to explain how to play the game, <laughs> you can just play the CD and have everybody listen to it and kind of show them maybe what, the individuals talking about as you go along in three languages I was gonna say, english german language. and spanish i think right something like that probably component wise you get you get little meeples to uh, little colored meeples to show who you are going through the dungeon if you remember your color and don't move they someone prefer else meeples of color meeples of color i'm sorry <laughs> And you get this little goofy oval thing to show what your color is. That's that's its entire purpose. It says escape, but it's just to show what your color is. And we you make fun of it all the time, but inevitably, what? Megan needed the reminder a couple times. I'm just saying, inevitably, many people, yeah, many people move the wrong. To move piece. the wrong color. Megan or Jordan? Not me. I'm purple, and I know it. I'm always green. That's why I'm like usually I don't mess up. <laughs> So, yeah, great components, I think, overall. Yeah, there's not a lot that's needed here, and what it is is very good quality. The dice for custom dice, sometimes they're a little iffy. You know, quarriers, you get some of those dice that are like, really, did they even try? (laughs) But these are all very well done. All right, mechanics. It's a cooperative game, so uh, you all lose or you all win. So even if one person gets out and they're all like, well, technically you still lost the game if everybody else didn't get out as well. Uh, so it is a very cooperative. It's a. It's very. Uh, there's a lot of table talk. This can get it to be kind of a loud game. I like that aspect of this game. I think it works well in this game. Sarah, what do you think of the cooperative aspect of the game? Well, I I'm kind of a thinker and a ponderer, so it was a little <laughs> bit stressful for me, <laughs> especially at first when I didn't really understand what was going on, and so the frantic pace mm-hmm. of it was a little bit scary that that's something too yeah we we, we, we kind of went over how the game is played in a basic set but the one thing i don't think we actually pointed out is everybody is doing it all at the exact same time yeah there there are no this is my turn wait for me to finish now it's your turn everyone is rolling their dice at the same time everyone is getting their dice locked and unlocked at the same time everyone's trying for gems uh, depending on how many players you have, you might be split up into two, three different groups. And somebody's, you know, and depending on where your gem thing is, you know, somebody's like, yeah, hey, we, you know, we just took two gems off, throw two gems over here, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot 
of communication and conversation going on, but it's very hectic and frantic communication going on. There's a heartbeat in the background. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I was kind of a love hate thing for the soundtrack. I really like the idea and I do like the atmosphere that Mm -hmm. it gives to the game. But it really does amp up the stress level a little well, bit, I which think, makes it fun. Yeah. But. Well, I think it's like a horror movie. It's yeah. like, oh, crap. <laughs> I think it's faster and faster and faster. <laughs> Don't step into the light. <laughs> so uh, mechanics, again, it's a, if you like cooperative games, uh, this is a good one. Uh, if you if you like uh, everybody banding together, uh, this isn't th- this also has the uh, nice piece of. Uh, the one thing a lot of people complain about with co-ops a lot of times is one player taking over and telling everybody what to do. There just isn't time to do that in this game. No, nope. I mean you, you might you go off in your pairs or whatever, but it, again, it, one it depends on what you roll because that that part you know you can't tell you, you roll make sure that's that's a guy you know get kind a of torch thing. and a key. Uh, damn I it. mean you you can talk and say okay let's let's go to this spot let's. Let's get these gems, but again, it's uh, it's going so quick and so fast. And once the gong goes, it's every person for themselves for the most part. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like everybody wants to get back to the start tile. Nobody wants to lose a die. And what it, what especially in our games tends to happen is everybody but the one person is back, and then they lock all their dice. So somebody has to yep. decide if they're coming out to do the <laughs> rescue or saying sorry. <laughs> We would give help me the idol, and I'll give you the whip. <laughs> exactly. So all of those little things, I think, are, are pretty cool. The other thing we didn't, I forgot to talk about, is uh, with illusions. There's also that chalice tile. Mm. All right. So if that tile comes out, or if you're playing with that tile and that comes out, it comes with a chalice, which now that has to escape with the group. So you can't just leave it and everybody escape and win you have to carry the chalice out with you. And of course, carrying the chalice has a burden with it. It's like one, there's one extra symbol you got to roll. I don't remember what it is right off the top of my head. Another guy, another torch, something like that. So now every time you move, if you're carrying the chalice, you need that extra symbol. So it's just one more little piece of complexity that can be added onto it. But it's not tied to one person. Whoever discovered it, you can drop it. You can, it's got to make it out, but any, any number of people can get it out. Yeah. And you, yeah, and like you said, you can drop it and go do something if you need to, and come back for it or something. But it just has to make it to the end and out with the group. Rules, I think the rules are pretty good. What did you think of them when you? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot in the game, so there was not a lot of things where they could go wrong. The, the book explains everything. Book is, um, overstating it. (laughs) Yeah. When we've had any questions, uh, they've been easily answered, and we haven't had that many questions. Yeah. It's got and some good examples and stuff in yeah. it, too, some good images. Teachability. What did you guys think? Was it easy to pick up? Oh, yeah. Very easy. That <laughs> 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 says the non-gamer. <laughs> I would say moderately easy because of the stress level. <laughs> but... If you're playing with nice people who don't yell at you and you make the team not make it to the exit or something like that. Who are those it's people? It's pretty fun. <laughs> say, that wasn't our group. So I you hope suck. some of you have Jordan. that experience. <laughs> so we play without Jordan the first time. <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> yeah, once you, it's, it's not hard once you play through it. You pretty much get it oh, figured out. Yeah. And like, Jeff, what you were saying about the concept of everybody going kind mm-hmm. of at once and you don't, 
wait for your turn. Once I figured that out, it was a lot <laughs> made a lot more sense what everyone was doing. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think overall, I mean, this is a a pretty easy one to teach. Uh, I like I said early on, I took it to Con of the North because actually somebody requested I bring it. They had been wanting to play it, and I wasn't sure how it was going to work out there. Uh, just because I had to bring a little crappy boom box, you know, and, and it's at a convention. So crowded room, there's already loud. The room that we were in, uh, this year, luckily it didn't happen, but previous years there was a big RPG group in the corner. (laughs) So I was really concerned about how this was going to play out. And I really didn't want to use in your corner, (laughs) you RPG here. (laughs) And, uh, I really didn't want to use the sand timers. It just doesn't seem the same to me. We played it a few times. It was kind of hard to hear the music, but we got through it, and I kind of kept my ear towards the boom box and let everybody know what was going on when the gongs and stuff went. And we had a great time. Got slaughtered the first time, but it, this is one of those games, again, and it's a 10-minute game, which is really cool. So even if you get slaughtered, you don't feel horrible about it because you haven't, you haven't invested a whole lot of time. But it was immediately like, ah, oh, let's, let's do it again. Set it back up. You know, and... Anytime you get a game like that, even if you lose, you're like, oh, my God, let's do that again. That's that's a pretty decent game. And yeah, everybody you, picked it up right the, away. The night the four of us played it, we got, like, what, four games in in an hour, in less than an hour. Yeah. And it was it was just late that we stopped. It wasn't that we were tired of the game because we actually finished on a winning note. <laughs> that's why we stopped. Yeah, was like, Done. <laughs> that's the only one that counted, right? <laughs> First ones were just tries. All right, so now we're going to talk a little bit about theme. So this this kind of plays into what you guys were talking about a little bit earlier, too. The theme of the game and does it work and does it make sense with the way they've put the mechanics together in the game. So the dice rolling, the, the exploring the tiles with the music in the background, did all of that work for you guys to think you're, you know, to, to give you a moment while playing the game and enjoying it to think I am trying to escape from, you know, the Indiana Jones-style temple? Yes, I think the added music added a whole nother element because I think a lot of those dice games I get bored with as non-gamers. Maybe I just don't have enough um, imagination or something, <laughs> but the music out adds that extra element that I think really puts you into it, especially the theme of the music. I mean, it was very Indiana Jones-ish, mm-hmm. so I think that helped. I like the little fedoras on the maples. <laughs> I thought that was really cute. <laughs> That was one of my favorite parts of the thematic elements. If only you spoke Ovitos, you could tell them how bad a person I am. (laughs) It compared pretty closely to when I've explored ancient uh, temples throughout the world. And so I can speak to the The authenticity of it. It's surprising how a number of these ancient temples have a soundtrack. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and the, the fact that the tiles vary from game to game. That's just like the just like the real thing, man. No, really, I like the changing tiles because it's never the same game twice. Yeah, and that's, that, another, that's, that's a really mechanic. cool part. We, yeah, the the modular board is a nice nice uh, mechanic as well. I always enjoy anything that has a modular board for that reason. It's mm-hmm. it's not always going to be the same game. You don't already have your escape route planned. You don't already know. Okay, yeah. here's my first five turns because I've played this so much, kind of thing. Other than you know, oh crap, I need gems. <laughs> <laughs> and those just have to come up. I love the theme. I got a, one of my favorite ways of playing this game is at the house here. I mean, with the surround sound and everything. I said I played it on a crappy little boombox. Still had fun, but early on when Megan and I started playing it a lot, uh, I mean, we would crank up the TV, crank up the sound, surround sound, and it's just 
a nice thing. Like I said, I, I it's nice that they put the timer in there, and if somebody has to use it, great, I guess. You don't know, play the game. Eh. But <laughs> that's truly not the way to play this game in any any shape. And for as much fun as this game is, I mean, I think Megan and, and uh, Sarah, you hit on it too, is, I mean, you, you're having a good time, but your heart can get racing. I mean, you, you can get... Uh, it's a happy stress yeah. <laughs> if, if there's such a thing, but it is, you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. We're so close. We're so close. You know, <laughs> I'm locked. I'm locked. I need somebody to give me a die. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just all this tension going on and it, and it all is, you know, just the, the dexterity of quickly rolling these dice and making quick decisions on how to use those dice and them getting locked and then having that music behind you. And again, when you start hearing the boom, 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 you know it's just like oh my god it's coming yeah it's definitely i i put it on par with watching a horror movie your adrenaline starts climbing up and up and up and up and it's just it's stressful but good the only way we could add to it i think is if you guys installed actual flaming torches in your living room for light and don't give them ideas (laughs) please stop depot was having a sale on tiki torches good to go Get some get some Re-decker bats to hang from the wall. Stop. <laughs> Skeleton Stop. with a little dagger in them or something. Uh, See redecorating. The in game your is thematic, not the house. Oh, okay. You have to make the house match the game. Yeah. What do you think of the theme, Jordan? <laughs> I like it. It works uh, really well. This is not a game that could be anything else. Uh, they went for the Indiana Jones. They went for the Explorer in the temple and it works really well they yeah i like it it works yeah. i don't know if we really need to do much of this because I, I think we kind of covered it with theme but you usually we talk about the fun factor i think it's, it's a horrible game it's just i would i would highly recommend avoiding it at all costs no obviously we have we've had a lot of fun with this game we've played it a lot back-to-back plays like we said the the one night we played it uh we played a few other games too but we played like this one four in a row and and uh, it, it was a good wrap-up. Uh, it's, a, it's a great game to play, and uh, I highly recommend it. Now, one of the things I, I said I'd kind of get back to is why I don't do the curses and stuff that often. And I've seen a lot of people online say that they won't play without the curses or it's the only way to play or some people. And I don't know who these people are. We need to meet them because obviously they're master strategists, but they're like, <laughs> There's no, you can never lose if you don't play without the curses and because tri- no, <laughs> they've never played. <laughs> they've it. never played with us. They've never played a random yeah. game with me. That's they, for they, sure. They've never played. Apparently, we have the cursed die. <laughs> no, they're the dice Because, like one of our first games, the last time we played, I think almost everybody around the table was almost locked instantly. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. But the reason. I kind of shy away from the curses, and I've actually kind of thought of a couple things that I might try if we ever do want a more difficult game without actually doing the curses as they are. The reason I don't care for the curses as much is because they're all icon-driven, and if you don't memorize what they are, you're looking through the book. And not only are you looking through the book, but when you start adding in the expansions, there's like four different sheets to look at for an icon to find out what it is. And they, some of them are physical type curses, which I, those type of games I personally have never really cared for. So like one of them is you can't talk until you get rid of this curse. One of them is you have to have, you have to keep your, your hand on top of your head until you get rid of the curse. 
things like that. But there's other things like you can't leave this room. You can't, you know, you can't do something until you get rid of the curse. But either you're just going to ignore it and just get rid of, try to get rid of the curse right away. So not even try to look it up, but you know, what is it? You know, is it something that's going to affect your dice or something like that? Got to save that stuff for seven wonders. But well, exactly. But it's, it's, it's a 10 minute game. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a time. It's not, it's not like you go, uh, pause the soundtrack. I need to look up this icon. So I know what my curse does. You know, the treasures are fairly easy. Cause like I said, most of those are, you get an extra man, you get an extra torch, you get an extra you know, golden idol, stuff like that, um, that you can just spend instead of rolling the dice. Those are easy. Those you don't have to look up. But the curses and stuff, and I think there might be some treasures that are a little bit different so that you might have to look them up. But again, it, all of the curses, and they're all like idols looking just a little bit different too. So it's it's not a major change to just go, oh yeah, this is whatever. So it, in a 10-minute game, to spend the time to grab the book, find out what curse you have, then find out, no, oh, I'm sorry, this is actually one of the expansion ones. Let, mm. me, let me get that book instead. I don't care for it because it just breaks the game to me a little bit. Now, maybe if you sit down, you get a group that really wants to study <laughs> the curses ahead of time and kind of know what's going on, fine. One thing I kind of thought of, I mean, if you want to play with the curses but don't want to go through that, is probably what a lot of people do anyway. But in order for you to leave the room, you have to roll whatever you need to leave the room plus whatever's on the curse. I mean, something like that. Because there's, there's icons on the curse to get rid of them. But as they sit right now, uh, I don't care for them for that reason. Well, after going one and three or one and four in our last play, <laughs> clearly we're not ready for anything. That's well, and the nice, thing too, uh, the nice thing, too, about adding, I mean, part of adding illusions, though, is you actually get more tiles because you actually add in extra tiles. Because mm -hmm. with the curses, you're actually supposed to take, they replace. So it's the same amount. So, I mean, I think illusions kind of makes it tougher anyway because you're getting extra tiles. But not only are you getting extra tiles, but you're also getting those tiles that disappear. Mm -hmm. So you got to refill in those spots kind of thing. So I, I think the illusions does a nice balance with that. Well, I think that's right. Because when you and I just played, we didn't play with the illusions. And we... No, I didn't have it yet. Yeah, it, and it, so it we we didn't have any difficulty winning. No. I, I think there's I mean, a we hand times. We handedly yeah. won quite a few times. Whereas I found, like, even in our first... I think in our first game as a foursome, did we even find the exit tile? No. no. And I think that was because <laughs> you had those extra tiles of illusions. I mean, it yeah. just adds more. Right. So I, I think illusions inherently adds a little bit of extra difficulty anyway. But again, you know, that's something for you to figure out. If your game group wants to use the curses, go for it. Like I said, uh, there's a lot of people online that seem to think that's the only way to play now. I personally don't. Overall, highly recommend Escape, The Curse of the Temple, and the expansions. Uh, there's some nice stuff that comes with it. Again, Illusions will take you up to six players and give you the purple guy. <laughs> One more color. Definitely check it out. Hello, this is Cyrus from Father Geek. I play and research a lot of games that focus on little geeks, parent geeks, and gamer geeks. But when it comes to getting the latest juicy tidbits about geek culture, I don't have the time or the energy to scour the interweb for all of my geek gossip. That's why I leave it to the professionals and their sidekick, the Canadian, at All Us Geeks. Always fresh, always relevant, with just a hint of baseline, All Us Geeks hits the spot with a pleasant aftertaste of awesome with none of that touchy-feeling nonsense. 100% geek, 150% of the time. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, quantitative pedants.